All right, well, good morning again, Victory Church family. Uh, welcome to week two of Church Online. I know a lot of you are watching uh, in your homes or in your cars, uh, on your phone and the app and the rest. I uh, just want to welcome you again this morning uh, to church. Just an awesome time, wherever we are, spread out uh, across the region, across our city, across our state. I just want to welcome our church family. We're just meeting together, just an awesome time. And, and it's just a chance to bring some normalcy uh, to what has become a not normal time in our lives. I want to give you a couple of updates dates uh, this morning before we jump into God's Word. The first one is we do have uh, a service and curriculum for your kids as well. It'll happen right after uh, this main church service live. And so you can stay tuned, leave it streaming uh, on your television or device, have some time for the kids there. Uh, just an awesome message for them. Uh, and then at 1130 here, uh, on our live stream channel, we'll have our Spanish congregation meeting live as well, uh, and so that'll stream at 11:30, and so you can share that out uh, to those who might be interested. Want to give you those uh, those options. Just want to again bring some normalcy. Just bring uh, the church body back together. Even though we can't meet physically, uh, we can meet online and join together spiritually. And so I uh, want to keep you advised about that. We'll give you some more details uh, in the weeks. To come, but it's unbelievable how things have changed day to day and, and week to week, how things uh, have, kind of, have kind of shifted and the different things. And so today I want to bring you a message uh, that's just been on my heart. It's connected with last week because I believe as a church body, as a nation, as a world, we're entering into a storm. We're going through the midst of a storm. And for a lot of us, life has been turned upside down and the world all of a sudden has gotten from zero to 100 miles an hour. It's gotten crazy. And so we're going to study a story in Acts chapter 27 this morning together. Uh, it's a story that we've studied as a church before, but I want to revisit it because I believe there are principles here that can help us navigate the storm that we're going through right now. Because as we're going through this storm as a world, it's not just a localized thing. As a world, as we go through it, I believe there are principles from God's word that can help us to navigate it, that can help us to deal with the things that we're facing. And so I believe this could be the church's finest hour if we respond correctly, if we go through this storm as God's word teaches us to do. But we have to understand what's happening first. Let's go Acts chapter 27, verse 13, and it says, when a light wind began blowing from the south, the sailors thought that they could make it. And so they pulled up anchor and they sailed close to the shore of Crete, but the weather changed abruptly like it has for a lot of us, and a wind of typhoon strength burst across the island, and it blew us out to sea. So here's Paul. Paul is on this ship, and he has this dream in his life of going to Rome and preaching a crusade. Paul has this dream of going and seeing thousands saved in the city of Rome. It was the epicenter of the world at that time. He's wanted to go there and preach it. But instead of going there and having a revival service, Paul is headed there on a prison ship. He's in chains and he's sitting on this ship and he's headed there to stand trial before Caesar and to be in prison and to stand this trial. And so in the midst of this journey, all of a sudden a storm appears and it blows this ship off course, kind of like it does to a lot of us. Kind of like it's happened to us where things have changed, and I love this word, it says abruptly. Things have changed abruptly. Can I just tell you, in the last three weeks, things have changed abruptly. It wasn't three weeks ago that we were talking about, you know, filling out our March Madness brackets and where we were going to go for spring break, and, and maybe you were navigating your kids' sports schedules and their school things and all these things, and all of a sudden, a wind blows up, this storm blows us out to sea, and jot this down if you're taking notes today, because the first thing I want you to see is that storms are disruptive, 
Storms in our life that come up abruptly are incredibly disruptive. It's unbelievable the disruption that we are experiencing in life. It's unbelievable how this has swept across the globe, that we're going about our normal lives and all of a sudden the government says, you know, it'd be better if we social distance, if you stay at home, if you don't go see your friends, don't go to church, don't go to your job. And all these things that are normal for us are suddenly disrupted and all of a sudden our life is turned upside down. And now we have found ourselves at home. And you probably feel, as a family, you probably feel like this guy. So check this video out. Because of coronavirus, you are going to be quarantined. But you have a choice. Do you A, quarantine with your wife and child, or B? B. B. <laughs> I don't care what you say. That's funny, all right? B. B. Some of you are in your living room right now. Like, B. B. Just, I choose, like, I can't even hear what you're saying. Just B. Just B. I choose B. Lord, help me. And I feel your pain. We have three small children at home, all right? All of us are in this new season. Some of you have to work from home now. We have to work thing. You're navigating your kid's life. You're trying to homeschool them, right, in this season. Except you're not really homeschooling them because homeschooling, you're in charge, right? You understand that. Homeschooling, you get to be in charge. Like, when you homeschool, you could say, hey, look at this flower. And, like, that's art, right? We've done art for the day. And you can decide. That's science, too. That's just all of it. We just all rolled it all up in one. No, but what you have to do is Skype with your elementary teacher now so that your kid can learn long division, which in the grand scheme of things doesn't seem all that important, but that's the world that we live in. Life has been turned upside down by all of this, and we all are feeling it, all right? We feel your pain there, parents. All right, verse 15, back to the story. He said, the sailors couldn't turn the ship into the wind, and so they gave up and let it run before the gale. I think some of you are feeling this way because storms are not only disruptive, they're incredibly discouraging. Storms are discouraging. Maybe a week or two ago when you found out, like remember that Friday afternoon when the school said, hey, we're sending your kids home and like we're not sure if we're ever gonna take them back. And you were probably on that day, you were like, okay, we got this. Like this is cool. This is is fine. Things are gonna be great and I've always wanted to try homeschooling and I've always wanted to do these things and you're putting schedules into place and you got whiteboards everywhere in your house and you got plans and you're ready, right? You're like, the restaurants are closed. We're gonna cook every meal and it's gonna be awesome. We're gonna have family time. It's gonna be great. And now two weeks later, you're like, Lord Jesus, just help me. Like, I'm not sure what's going to, I just, we're just, I don't know. We're just all, we're going to say, I don't care if you can read or not. I don't care. We're just all going to stay alive. Like, we're just, that's the goal. We're just going to stay alive and that's it. Like, I don't care about the schooling. I don't care about anything. And I get that. I understand because storms are incredibly discouraging. And the longer that we're in one, the more discouraged that we get. And so all those plans go out the window. All those whiteboards get erased. All those schedules that were color-coordinated and perfect and your family was going to do this and that, they all go out the window because storms, the longer they are, are incredibly discouraging. And oftentimes we get in the midst of the storm. And some of you started out this year and you thought 2020 is going to be my year. By the grace of God, this is going to be the year. And you say, I'm going to start it off right and I'm going to start eating right and I'm going to get physically fit and I'm going to start hanging out with people and maybe I'm going to join a small group and this is the year I'm going to go back to church. And you start off the year right and then all of a sudden you get blindsided by this storm and everything that you had started kind of gets put to the side and things were going great but now you can't go to small group and you can't meet together and maybe you're not able to go to that restaurant that you wanted to do and it's closed and and maybe the job that you worked so hard for is now in jeopardy and all these things blindsided it's not only disrupting but it's discouraging And you're wondering because nobody can tell you how long it's going to last and nobody knows what the future is going to hold and now all of a sudden it's gotten real serious And so storms are discouraging. Verse 18, we get back to our text. It says, the next day, as gale force winds continued to batter the ship, the crew began throwing the cargo 
overboard. And so they're throwing the supplies and the things that were made to keep them alive in the midst of this storm, they start throwing those over the ship. And then the following day, they even took some of the ship's gear and they threw that overboard. And so the stuff that was actually even making the ship go and the stuff that helped them to navigate the ship, just in general, they start throwing that overboard. And you ask yourself, why? Why are they getting rid of these things that could have kept them alive? And that is because storms are incredibly disorienting. Storms of life are incredibly, and if you're not careful, you start to think crazy thoughts when you get isolated and you start to get alone with your thoughts. You start to think crazy things. And I am pleading with you, please. We need to social distance, but we don't need to spiritual distance. We don't need to spiritual. Don't get alone with your thoughts because you'll start thinking crazy things. And you'll start throwing overboard the things that are designed to keep you alive. The things that are designed to balance your life. You'll stop reading your Bible. You'll stop spending time in prayer with the Lord. You'll stop doing these things that were designed to give you balance, even in a storm season. And you'll start throwing those overboard. You stop spending those times, and all of a sudden, you're disoriented like these sailors. And here's why. In verse 20, it says that the storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun. And so here's why they're disoriented, blotting out the sun and the stars until at last all hope was gone. You see, the principle here is the sun and the stars is how the sailors would navigate. It was guidepost for them. These were, these were ways that they could see the way they'd see it. Sun, you could set your course, and then at night, you would use the stars to navigate the ship. And it's the things that keep you balanced, the stuff that helps you maintain vision for your life. Because in the midst of chaos, if you're unable to go about your daily routine and you don't have someone setting your schedule at work and your kids aren't getting up to go to school, and so no one else is setting the schedule and the places you like to eat are closed and the gym that brought balance to your life is no longer open and you can't work out and you have these things that are throwing you off, of course. And so these guideposts have disappeared. And so like in our verse, the sun and the stars have disappeared, the things they would use to navigate and the rhythm of life is being disrupted. And all of a sudden, we lose those things that would help us to navigate. We can't meet in the room anymore on the weekends to see your friends and to gather together as a spiritual community physically. And the things that would keep us connected, like our small groups, the things that would keep us headed in the right course, those rhythms of life are being disrupted. And in the midst of all of that, we find our place, ourselves in a place of hopelessness. We find ourselves in a place where all hope is gone. In fact, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs that where there is no vision, the people perish. When you start to lose the vision of your life for what God has planned for you, when you start to lose sight of that, when the guideposts are disappearing because you're in the midst of a storm, things start to die. In fact, jot it down this way if you're taking notes. When you don't have vision for the future, you'll lose hope in the present. When you no longer have vision for your future, when those guideposts have disappeared, you'll start to lose hope in the present. It's why my fear for you today as a pastor, it's why I'm praying over you that nobody knows how long this will last. Nobody knows what the future might hold, but I'm praying over you that you would still reclaim that vision, that God still has a plan and a purpose for your life, that he still has that in the midst of the storm. And nobody knows what the new normal will be when we come back out of this. Nobody can tell you what that will be, but in the midst of all this uncertainty, we start to lose hope, we lose vision. But I want you to hear today, and this is my final point about storms, and that is storms, as scary as they are, as disruptive, as disorienting, as discouraging as they are, storms are temporary. They're temporary. This coronavirus is temporary. COVID-19 is temporary. What we're walking through as a world is temporary. It's temporary. There will be a time that we will gather together again as a church. There will be a time that we come back together as a church body and there will be a time that you will go back to work. There'll be a time the kids will go back to school. There will be opportunities ahead of you. There will be life on the other side of the coronavirus, I promise you. 
There will be life and there will be opportunities. And I promise what we're walking through is temporary. So it's important in these temporary moments that we begin to reevaluate and we begin to look at what is actually important. That we begin to set our eyes and keep our vision and keep our hope and keep our strength in the midst of the storm. Hebrews chapter 10 says it this way. Don't throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. So if you don't throw away your confidence, if you stay the course, because he says you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. I want you to know that the promises of God are yes and amen. In Christ, the Bible says, God is not surprised by the coronavirus. He's not surprised by COVID-19. It did not catch him off guard. This storm did not. What he has planned for your life will come to pass because there is no storm strong enough. There is no storm that we can go through strong enough to take the purposes of God for your life out of your life. There is no storm strong enough. There's nothing in this life that can take away the plans that God has for you. The plans that he has spoken over your family, the plans that he has spoken for your life, there is no storm strong enough. And I just have to believe in my heart that you are amening right there in your homes, amening in your living room, because in this room, it is empty, all right? It is empty. I feel like God was telling me last week, like, you make all these jokes about amening yourself, like, that's good preaching, right? And not so funny now, is it? That's good preaching. Thank you very much. But the reality is God does have plans for your life. God has plans for your life, and I miss you, and I can't wait to have you back in the room, but until then, we have to keep our vision clear. We have to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. We have to stay together as a church body and a spiritual community. We have to stay connected, socially distant, but spiritually connected. We have to stay together in this storm to navigate it, because there's some things that we can do that Paul teaches us in this story that I believe we can apply in this coming week and in the weeks to come as we pass through the storm. We go back to our text in verse 21. Paul stands up before him and he says, men, you should have taken my advice. So this is Paul, right? I love this part of the story because Paul is walking around the ship, right? Everybody else is throwing stuff overboard. They're trying to survive. There's chaos. There's a storm coming through. Everybody's trying to survive in this. And Paul's walking around like, I told you so, I told you so, I told you so, I told you. Like throw him overboard, right? Like that's my, that's my next step. Not to sail from Crete, I told you so. And then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you. To keep up your courage, because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Man, there's so much in this verse I want to unpack. But here's number one. Jot it down if you're taking notes. And that is you can still have joy in the storm. You can still, I promise you, in the midst of this storm, you can still have joy. Because Paul says there, I want you to keep up your courage. That word courage there is an interesting word in the Greek. It's an interesting word because it doesn't just mean brave. It means to have a constant optimistic perspective or joy. To keep up your courage means to be filled with joy. And I hope you know this, that external storms should not steal your internal joy. External storms that we walk through should not steal your internal joy. The Bible says it's the joy of the Lord that is our strength. It's new every morning, the joy of the Lord. And I pray even in the midst of this that you would have joy. In fact, the ironic thing, especially for us as Americans, is this climate that we're walking through. This, this life perspective, this way, this season that we're going through is more akin to the New Testament and the Bible and the perspective and the climate that they went through than what we normally experience in our lives. Because normally we would read these verses like consider it all pure joy, brethren. Normally we would read those when you walk through trials of many kinds and we would think that that means, well, you know, it's, it's a trial when I don't get the car that I really wanted or I, I don't find that makeup that I really like or that shade of whatever or I don't have this opportunity or I didn't get this promotion or I didn't get that. Normally we would read those verses in that context where it was just, just a small thing that we didn't get and we'd say, well, the Bible says have joy in all circumstances. But if you read the New Testament, 
If you begin to read the New Testament, it's totally different. The church was meeting in these places where they weren't even sure if they were going to be persecuted, if they would be allowed to meet, if they would go. The future was uncertain. They were facing persecution. People were hunting for them to kill them, and it looked a whole lot more like it does now. This climate that we're walking through, and yet the Bible says in every storm, in every circumstance, to be full of joy. You see, what's happening around you should not affect what's happening on the inside of you. The things that are happening around you, because happiness is based on happenings, but joy is brought from the Lord inside of us. The joy is from inside. And that's my prayer for you today, that the peace that passes all understanding would come upon your life, would come upon your family, would come upon your home, that it guards you, that you would have joy by the power of the Holy Spirit. Back to our text. He says, I urge you to keep up your courage. Have that joy, because not one of you will be lost, only the ship will be destroyed. Now, I'm not putting my head in the sand. I want you to know there are some things that are gonna change on the other side of COVID-19, some things that will fundamentally shift, that we're not going back to normal. We will be forever marked by this crisis. We will forever have this in our history. And some of you, we're gonna react to this in different ways. Some of you are gonna keep a year's supply of food in your pantry at all times. Some of you are gonna keep a year's supply of toilet paper in your attic at all times. We're all gonna react in different ways to these things, but what I want you to know is even when we go back to a new normal, there won't be the old normal, to the new normal, I'm praying we would understand that it's not the vital things that get destroyed. It's not the vital things that get destroyed in a storm. It's only the temporary, it's only the ship. And right now it's the economy and the financial crisis that's being destroyed. It might be the kids' sports careers that are being put on hold. It's the social things that some of us, we're reevaluating what's really important and what we value in life. We're looking at those things. And I'm praying when we come back from this that we have a better vision. We have a better idea of what's important. And even this life, as precious as it is, is temporal. Even this life that we're living, as precious as it is, as great a gift as it is that God has given us, it is temporal. Here's what Paul has to say about that. Philippians chapter 1, he says, for me, living means living for Christ. And dying is even better. Like, who says that? Who has that perspective? Anybody that you know has this perspective? And so he says, so I'm torn, but if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between the two desires. I long to go and be with Christ. And so Paul is saying, I want to be with Jesus because I have that perspective that heaven is better. But if I stay, it's better for my neighbors who haven't heard about Jesus. And it's better for those who are lost and going to hell that I can, I can witness to them and spread the gospel. And it's better for you, the church, that I stay. Paul is saying these things to him. And so he says, so I'm torn. To be honest, I would love to go to heaven because that's awesome. And if I stay, I could spread the love of Jesus around in the gospel. And that's awesome. And so I'm torn. I really don't know what to do in this world. And so he says, I really don't, and it's almost like Paul has this death wish that he's saying, but to be with Christ, which would be better for me, but for your sakes, it's better that I continue to live. And so he's saying that to be with Christ would be the greatest of all, and that's what's better for me. And the, what I want you to grasp from this is that at the end of the day in Paul's life, there was nothing. There was nothing temporal, not this life, not anything, not any part of the ship. None of the temporal things had a hold on Paul's life. And that's the perspective that I want you to have, that nothing has a hold on him. He says, look, I can stay or I can go. You can't mess with a person with that kind of perspective. You can't bring fear into the life of a person with that kind of perspective. Who says that I know that eternity is what matters. I know that heaven is better than this. If we are truly in that place, if we truly are focused on eternity, there is no storm strong enough to knock the purposes of God out of our life. There is no storm strong enough to pull you out of the plans that God has for your life and for your family and the promises. Back to our text, verse 23. 
Paul's still speaking to them and he says, Last night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and he said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So once again, Paul is saying, I am amazing. You will all live because I am here. This is what he said. I love Paul. For I have faith in God. Keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. I want you to know, number two, that God will provide. That in the midst of the storm, not only can you have joy, but that God will provide everything that we need. Everything that we, God says, look, my plan is coming to pass in your life, Paul. My hand is on you. I've blessed you with the lives of all the people that are gathering and sailing with you. All of you are going to survive, and you need to know that God will provide in the midst of this. And Paul says this, I love that phrase, that I have faith that it will happen just as God told me. So I want to ask you this morning, church, I want to ask you, where are you putting your faith? In the midst of the storm, where are you declaring that your faith is placed in? Because a storm will either drive you to God or drive you from God. In the midst of a storm, it will either drive you to him or from him. Because in these kinds of moments, a lot of times we have this, this tendency to ask, where is God in the midst of this? And if God really loves me, then why, why am I, am I being laid off from my job? Or if God loves me, why is my department being downsized? Why is there uncertainty in the time of this? Why am I stuck in my house? Why did I lose that relationship? We begin to ask these questions and we get sideways with God. When we're in the midst of a storm and we begin to question him, we get sideways in our faith. And I want to remind you of the fact this morning that in the midst of the storm, he is our only hope. He is the hope of our lives. We have to run to him to find shelter. And that is my prayer for America as well, that we would get on our knees, that we would not be so self-arrogant and self-puffed up, that we would begin to think that we had intellectually separated ourselves from our need for God. We need a revival in this country. We have to say that he is our only hope. Come back to understanding that we need Jesus for everything, that he is our supply. And if you'll do that, the storm will drive you to him. If you'll do that, if you'll fix your eyes on him, We'll pursue him. I promise you, you'll find everything that you need in this life. Everything that you need. In fact, I want to encourage some of you from these words from the Bible because some of you need to get back into the word of God and begin to find promises to stand on. In the middle of storms, in the middle of these things, you need to find promises of God's word that you can stand on. Jot these down if you're taking notes. Psalms chapter nine. And it says, the Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. It's God's promise to you to your family, to your kids, to your spouse, to your home. That's God's promise that he is a refuge. Romans chapter eight, verse 28, it says, we know that all things work together for the good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. When we align ourselves, we know that God is working even in the midst of storms to work everything out for good because his purposes will come to pass in the earth. Philippians chapter four, you need to stand on these promises and my God shall supply all of your needs. Not only is he your refuge, but he's your provider according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. God is your provider. It's not the government. It's not, the, it's not your job. God is your provider. Jesus is the one who gives us everything we need throughout this crisis. So let's allow him to take that role in our lives. Philippians chapter 4 verse 7. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I'm praying this over you, church, every day as your pastor that the peace of God would begin to just invade your life, that it would begin to cover your homes, that the peace of God would rest on you, that the rest of the world can be in fear, but the peace of God would rest, that would fill you, that it would surround you, that no weapon formed against you would prosper. You say, well, the weapon might be formed, but it will not prosper because Isaiah says it this way. It says that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against them because there is no storm strong enough 
to pull you out of the plan that God has for your life. There is no storm strong enough that can come against you that would ruin what God has in store for your life. There is no storm strong enough, church. We need to stand on the promises of God's word. Back to our text, verse 33. Paul says this, just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. Come on, somebody. He urged them to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense. This is speaking straight to us today. And have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now, I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. You need it to survive. If you're taking notes today, jot this down. You need balance to thrive. You need balance to thrive. I want you to know that you're going to survive this, joy, this storm. You're going to survive this storm in your life. You're going to have joy in your life. God will provide for your every need, but it's important that we say self-disciplined in this time. That we say self-disciplined. I know in this crisis it's easy for a lot of us. Some of you are going without food. Some of you, when you get into the midst of, of a nervousness or anxiety, you start not to eat. And I just want to tell you, you need to eat. You need to begin to eat in this time. You need to keep up your physical body. You need to keep up your strength in the midst of this crisis. Other of you, you have eaten all of the food in your reserves already. You have already gone through all of it. You have eaten everything in the pantry. Some of you are saying, forget the toilet paper. Just bring me chocolate. Like, bring me all the chocolate. Like, I'm out. So that's what you're doing. Listen to me this morning, all right? I'm going to pastor you. Step away from the Oreos. I know some of you are eating them for breakfast this morning. Some of you are doing You need to put them down. We need to have some balance in this life. You need to watch yourself as we're walking through crisis. It doesn't mean we throw out all of the disciplines that have kept our lives balanced. You need balance if you're going to thrive in the midst of the storm. You need balance in those. Paul is saying, hey, you got to take care of yourself. I'm pastoring you right now. You have to take care of yourself. You need to take care of yourself physically. Make sure you wake up at the same time every day because the work is not setting your schedule anymore. Your kids aren't getting up at the same time to go to school. We need to keep that balance. Go outside. Do something for yourself you got to keep yourself physically because you have to do something in the midst of the storm. And maybe some of you, you got to keep back into God's word. Some of you had let that slide in the midst of a crisis. You need to stay in his word daily. You need to keep yourself up spiritually. Some of you need to keep yourself. You need to read the Bible every day. You got to spend time praying. You got to keep things as normal as possible because I promise you this storm will pass, but we have to keep balance in the midst of it. So Paul tells the sailors, you got to eat something. Don't throw everything out the window just because we're in a little bit of chaos now. You can control what happens in your own home. And then as we close, I want to leave you with this thought. Verse 43, he orders them. He says, but the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life, and he kept them from carrying out the plan. And so he orders those who could swim to jump overboard first and to get to land. He says to those who could swim, he orders them to jump overboard first and to get to land. And you know, I've always read that verse, verse 43. I've always read it as thinking at this part in the story is thinking that's about right. You know, you got to get up on your own two feet and you got to swim for sure. And those of you, but watch what happens. Watch why he tells them that, that those who can swim should swim for sure. Because then in verse 44, and the others, the ones who couldn't swim, held onto the planks or debris from the broken ship. And so everyone escapes safely to the shore. Because I do think as a church, we need to get up on our own two feet and we do need to swim for shore. We do need to swim for shore. We don't need to be the ones spreading fear. We as a church, the ones who can swim, the ones who have our faith as a steadfast anchor, the ones who have our faith on a rock that cannot be moved, the ones who can swim, we don't need to be the ones fear-mongering, the ones spreading doom and gloom on social media, the ones who are just, just trying to spread this, this fear across our country. We need to be telling people about how great our God is and can we pray with them? And who needs food and how can we get it to you? 
And who's in the most at-risk demographic? And how can we help you? How can I serve my neighbors? How can I spread the gospel of Jesus Christ in the midst of this crisis? The ones who can't swim should. And not only for self-preservation, but in doing so, we're leaving the supplies and the refuge and the driftwood for those who can't. Listen, church, we need to keep balance in our lives. We need to thrive. We need to keep our faith in God, not just for ourselves, but that we can be a light in this dark world in the midst of the storm. And so as we close, I need to remind you that we need to swim so that others can live. As a church, we need to swim so that others can live, to keep them alive. We're not swimming just for ourselves. You're not keeping balance just for yourself. You're keeping balance because at the end of the fight, there are those whose lives still hang in the balance, that heaven and hell are still in the balance, and we need to be lights in this dark world. In the midst of this storm, those who, should, those who can't swim should swim. We should reach out. We should help those around us who can. And so Paul encourages them, those who can swim, get overboard, get to shore first, not just for self-preservation, but community preservation, taking care of the people who can't swim. You're spreading the word of God. You're sharing the gospel. You're giving hope in a world that's full of fear, beginning to share our testimony in the world that's full of fear. You're leaving the supplies and the rafts for those who can't swim. See, I never understood why Leo had to die at the end of Titanic. Like, that never made any sense to me. It never made, like, like there's more, like, like I, I don't feel like he put enough effort into staying alive, right? Like, there is driftwood, and there is, there's got to be another door somewhere, right? That door is big enough for both of them. I just don't know. I don't know. Like, bro, you could have used a little more effort into staying alive. But the reality is you don't have to give up. The reality is you don't have to give up on yourself. It's important that you don't because there are people in the midst of this anxiety There are people who cannot swim. There are people who do not have a hope in anything that is solid. And so we as the church have to continue. We have to have balance to thrive. We have to keep ourselves in joy, keep ourselves in faith, keep ourselves in in our faith with God, in our walk so that we can spread the gospel. Church, we got to swim so that others can live. Let's make sure we're doing everything that we can. Do everything that we can to swim because there is a world that is depending on us. There's a world that needs to hear the gospel, even in the midst of the storm. Would you bow your heads with me wherever you are right now? Bow your heads and close your eyes just so you can kind of block out what's happening there in the living room or wherever you are today. Let's have a moment with Jesus. And I just want to pray for you today that God would touch you and strengthen you and encourage you and help you put some of these things in place that we're talking about in the midst of the storm, that he would help you to put some of these things into place in your families, in your house, in the midst of this, that we would begin to see these opportunities even in the midst of the storm. But first, before I pray that prayer, I know there are some of you that have joined us online from around our region or maybe around the state, and you're far from God, and this storm is driving you without any course or any direction. And it's waking you up to the things that are really important in life. It's amazing how in these seasons of uncertainty, it's amazing how we begin to open our eyes to what's actually important and to those opportunities. And so I just want to share with you today, if you feel like you are being cast about, if you feel like you are listless in the storm, I want to give you an opportunity today to find your strength, to find your hope, to find your solidness in Christ Jesus. And if you found yourself questioning today about eternity or questioning your life or what it all means, if you found yourself against that question that comes in the midst of the storm, that if we slip from this life into the next, what does it look like? 
I believe there is a real heaven and a real hell. But the good news of the gospel is that Jesus has already paid the price on the cross for us. All we need to do is accept the finished work of the cross. And so if that's you today, if you're watching this and you say, I want to make that decision. I want to accept what he's done for me already. I want to spend eternity with him. I just want to pray with you this morning. If you say that's me, I want to pray that prayer. I want him to make me brand new. I want to have that joy that we've been talking about. I want to have that in my life. I want to have that hope in him. I just want to pray this prayer with you right where you are. I can give you the words you need to say them right where you are in your home. Watching on the app, wherever you are right now, say these words. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me for all of my sin, for all of my mistakes. Say, I surrender to you. Make me brand new. Say these words, I give you the Lord, I make you the Lord of my life and I give you control of my life. I put you on the throne in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, I pray for our entire church today. God, thank you that you're surrounding us and protecting us in the midst of the storm. God, I thank you that we can have joy in the midst of this, Lord. Lord, I thank you that you are our supernatural provision in the midst of this, God. I pray, Lord, for those who are going through times that are desperate right now. God, I thank you that you promise in your word that you are, Lord, the source of our life. You are our provision. So, God, we trust you today. God, I pray that you would bring balance to us. Let us live self-disciplined lives, Lord, in the season, Lord, where we've lost the ability to be with others, God, and to go to work. Lord, we thank you that that discipline would come from you. Not from our external circumstances, but from you. God, help us to establish healthy rhythms in our life, Lord. We thank you that in the midst of this, Father, that we can still be a light to the world around us. Lord, the world that's looking at us to how we respond in a crisis, God, that we can still show how great our God is. And Lord, that we can get up on our feet and swim, Father. That we can be an example to those around us, to be the love of God to the world that is hurting and in a crisis. We pray all of that in Jesus' name, that on the other side of this, you would receive all the glory and all the praise, and we love you today. So in your name we pray, amen and amen.